Hey everyone, we recorded this new episode on the evening of Sunday, March 14th, approximately one year after the start of the pandemic that would change all of our lives. There is no one pandemic anniversary, said one recent headline in The Atlantic magazine. There are millions of them. We dedicate this episode to the memory of all those we have lost, more than half a million people in America alone, and to the hope for better days ahead. Hello and welcome to the Veer Vulnerabilis Fear podcast. I'm Adam Glinsky. And I'm Albert Imperato. Where we help men communicate and build empathy. Season two of the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer podcast is sponsored by our good friends at Standard and Strange, where the clothes and the people are anything but ordinary, and the motto is own fewer, better things. All right, Albert, we have the uh, the gang is back. Uh, we've uh, We haven't seen each other in like... Three months. I don't know how long it's been, but it's been a hot minute. Um, but we got the uh, the Knights of the Roundtable uh, for a session here today, talking uh, everything COVID. It's been a year, and man, uh, it's been a wild ride. Uh, you keep saying that it's the the year that was the longest long weekend. Uh, so tell us a little bit, man. What's up, up in Upstate? Well, we just celebrated our first anniversary here, <laughs> just the way everybody else uh, is celebrating. Not. Uh, a year of the pandemic. And what really struck me uh, getting ready to talk to our friends tonight was thinking how we all got into this together, but we're all going to leave it separately. Mm. And that is a really intense thing to realize because I'm hearing kind of annoying, I hate to admit it, but really annoying uh, behavior of like people who have their vaccine and they're booking flights and they're getting together for cocktails with friends. And I won't name any names, but some of them are my relatives. And I just want to say, <laughs> guys, I'm an old dude, I, but I'm not that old. And I don't even know that where to get a COVID shot right now. And I'm feeling already the pressure of, what do you mean you haven't figured this out? So I'm feeling a little bit like this is going to be an interesting little, interesting little moment where everybody is going to be leaving this situation in a very different way at a, in a, on a different time frame. And I think it's going to create some weird, some weird stresses and maybe some uh, uh, unusual and perhaps some ugly behavior. I'm hoping not, but I was feeling little dribs and drabs of that the last couple of days. How about you, Adam? Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone's celebrating a year. Uh, we're trying to, uh, acknowledge it here. I think, um, Man, I, I don't know if you guys have seen the uh, the latest South Park, but uh, we were kind of chatting about it before you got on here. You guys and all the listeners, I implore to watch the uh, the South Park vaccination special. It is hilarious. Um, a lot of what you just said was highly um, made into satire. Uh, it is really well done, um, and it's just it's just funny the take on it because, like you said, there. It, we're all coming out of it uh, in different phases and in different ways. W one of my things that I, I kind of wanted to chat about tonight, we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into it later, is uh, you know how it kind of got a little ugly. And um, you know, I don't think that uh, that really stopped uh, for any part of it. And I think uh, a, a lot of the the ugliness that that's been going on is going to get even more intensified uh, with the uh, the COVID clinic club is uh, what, what they're going for. <laughs> so get your vaccinations there. All right. <laughs> Well, I don't want to. I don't want to have the guys, ha uh, you know, waiting for us too long. I will say, just uh, looking ahead uh, to after our uh, our show, um, we're 
this is a book that I saw a review of in the in the Wall Street Journal that I'm really hoping we can get the author on the show. I've written them some notes. It's um, I'm going to mention it even if we don't get this author on the on the uh, show. It's Judson Brewer. I think it's Dr. Judson Brewer. The book is called Unwinding Anxiety. New science shows us how to break the cycles of worry and fear to heal your mind. And the reason I'm so excited about this book is that there's two really simple premises and you, and the correctives, the medicine are curiosity and kindness. And I'm like, I can do those. I can actually manage those. Uh, curiosity uh, being actually not being afraid to look at what the causes are of your own situation to turn, sort of turn into them and actually see them as not um, something that's going to trip you up and pull you in, but actually something that could potentially release you from the fear that you have, which I found amazing. And then kindness, kindness towards yourself and towards others, and also paying attention to when others extend kindness to us. I just love the idea that two of those two things could have such a major impact on managing anxiety. And the reason they're so important uh, is really something we could talk about also with the guys who are going to join us in just a moment. Um, we'll, we'll, in, we'll have them join us. And then I'm just going to uh, read a couple of statistics from the Cleveland Clinic that I found as I was uh, preparing for the show. So welcome, uh, Evan. Welcome to uh, Neil. Thank you, guys. We've missed you. I've yeah, been saying it. We've really missed you guys. <laughs> has been a while. Has been. We haven't. We haven't had this this little session. We used to have these all the time, and you know, turn of the year, the holidays, uh, all all came back into fruition, and here we are again, kind of in in the springtime. I hope it's uh, nice for you guys on the West Coast. Um, it is just a beautiful scene here in the East Coast. Uh, no snow. Um, that's a big part. It's uh, it's sunny and uh, you know, things, things are in bloom right now. And I don't know about you guys, but I need that right now in Pittsburgh, maybe, but I got to say in the Hudson Valley, it's bitter winds and winter. We're it's going to be a tease. It's going to be March and April. We're going to just kick <laughs> our butts for a while yet. So um, Evan and Neil, if you want to uh, say a quick thing before I just want to read a couple of statistics for you. Anybody want to jump in quick or let's hit some statistics. I want to, I want to know some data. Well, I was I was preparing a little bit for uh, the show, and I found this article, uh, statistics article on the Cleveland Clinic website. So that's a good medical source. It was uh, talking about guys in the eighteen to thirty four age bracket. Are you guys all in that bracket? I don't know. I'm, a little above, I'm maybe on the high end of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was just got, saying three more months, and then I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> in, in a certain measurement i'm sure you are neil uh just like general like optimistic youthful uh, uh enthusiasm for life you are 14 today um but anyway there the the statistic was about the amount of mental health challenges that people were expressing during the pandemic and uh it was a, a whopping uh 70 uh, what was it? 74% of respondents in that bracket, 74% said that they had experienced um, what they considered considerable mental health uh, issues during the past year, uh, describing the four top uh, areas as stress, anxiety, depression, and loneliness. 41% um, of people say that they were 
totally overwhelmed by the amount of information that was coming at them. Um, on the other hand, this statistic surprised me. 62% of the people said that they had actually made some healthy lifestyle changes as a result of the pandemic, which that actually sh struck me as very surprising number. I thought a lot of people were going to fall into junk food, no gym, not working out, but actually a lot of people use it as a time to think and focus a little bit more in their health. So that was actually the most po um, positive statistic that I saw there. Um, let's turn to the questions with that in mind of, of those statistics. I asked you guys to be, to think a little bit about what this last year has meant. And I'm going to go turn to one of you and ask you to jump in. Is there something really obvious that you've really learned about yourself this past year that really just stands out that you, that you could tell us about? Yes. For me, for sure. I, I think I've actually mentioned it on the podcast before. It's not that I'm not a, I'm just not a people person. I'm not super social. You know, I really enjoy my downtime. I really, you know, if I'm going to, if I have free time being a husband and a father, I am li more limited than I was in my earlier years. But if I have free time, I'm going to choose to hop on the bike and be by myself. And this past year, once you get locked in your house for weeks or months on end, effectively, um, you realize how much you need human interaction to continue to be a functioning um, individual in society. <laughs> it's like never in my life have I like started to chat people up at the grocery store, but I found myself like doing that every now and then, you know, over this past year. Cause you're just like, I just need to talk to someone that, and I love my wife obviously. And I love to talk to her and we have like super deep conversations and we have random banter too. But it's like, I just need to talk to a human that I haven't seen before. Maybe because <laughs> like, I haven't talked to anyone else for months. <laughs> like it's just been interactions with a three-year-old or my wife. And it's pretty limited. <laughs> Oh yeah, I can uh, definitely agree on that, uh, especially with the uh, the the personal time and then the the social dynamic. Um, I, I find myself as an introvert and extrovert in different situations, and like whenever the ones you know pull in one way, it's like I either want to chat people up randomly in the supermarket, or I just want to spend a lot of time alone, um, and then whenever your social circle is three of the same people most days, you know, you kind of grind that gear a little too hard. So I, I definitely feel you there, Evan. Whew. Does that mean you've gotten chattier on uh, Instagram and other social media apps? Are you talking to more people? Oh, a hundred percent. I will. I was actually literally thinking that before you asked that question, I was like, you know, as Cursed as social media can maybe be sometimes, I think it has been in a lot, in certain ways, a godsend for people this past year because you've been able. I'm with a bunch of my old college buddies on GroupMe, which is an app. I'm, you know, on Instagram with like a bunch of guys that are into clothes on Instagram talking about whatever. I've got my bike friends who are on a different app. Like I've got all these little circles that I'm juggling. And I'd never had that before. Uh, and it's, I think it's really helped, you know, on a mental level to just have that interaction because, you know, some of these people you haven't, I mean, 
the Instagram scene, I've literally never met any of these people in person in my life. And then, you know, the bike scene is every now and then we get together for a ride now, but not as much. And then my old college buddies are all over the, you know, the U S now, but it's been a serious blessing to have social media and have these little chat apps to, you know, keep in touch with people. Hey, Neil, you want to uh, jump in at this point? Yeah, I think I really, really understood how dependent I am on support from friends and family to just get through difficult times. You know, I've always been a very independent person and sort of a hybrid introvert, extrovert, kind of like what Adam was mentioning. Um, You know, but there's a lot of strength and resolve I didn't know that I was capable of unless I was willing to confront it. And that took help from other people that normally I would, you know, would shy away from, from taking, or at least reaching out and asking, you know, I, I had to not indulge my tendencies to solve a problem by ignoring it until it goes away completely. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nothing's getting swept under the rug. (laughs) But it really deepened a lot of my my friendships with people uh, who was, I was already close with, but we hadn't ever really gone to sort of the depths that we had gone through together in 2020. Um, you know, and a big part of that was just getting through like my depressive funks in 2020 and being reminded I'm not alone, being grateful uh, for my lucky and pretty privileged position being that, you know, I don't worry about where my next meals come from and I got a roof over my head. It's pretty big and I got a job, um, you know, but, but just being able to call people for any time, for any reason, they'll pick up and they'll hear me out and we'll talk through shit and, you know, they'll give me unconditional love and support. And it's, it's huge. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Just being able to, to actually have that, that conversation and really talk. Um, I realized a lot for me is with like the actual, um, you know, just in person kind of talking and chatting, you know, I have a lot of coworkers, um, you know, at an Apple store and, you know, we barely got together over the the first couple months. And then, you know, it was very limited and we had a lot of times where it was just kind of like, okay, you got like five, 10 minutes in the back of the store and you can just kind of like give your, give like your coworkers like that stress jump dump and just like, kind of just let it out and just kind of like vent it. Like, okay, it's there. Like we all know what everyone's going through. Like we all have a stressful job. Like we all have lives, you know, and we, we meet each other at the workplace and then, you know, we can talk about it. And that was just completely removed from my life. Like that whole, like actual social just support system. And like you were saying, Neil, it's like, you really had to look at problems head on and there was no just like, okay, let me just do this or like distract myself or do something else to, to kind of let it go away. And for me, one of the really big things is like, that was like a system that I relied on was like the coworker kind of like talking and stressing like the back, you know, the, the water cooler talk, whatever you want to call it. Um, and when all those like systems kind of just stopped existing, like there was a lot of like extra like pent up stress and I didn't have my normal outlets to, to get it out. Uh, and that was really surprising and kind of led to, I, I want to like the, what I wrote down for this was like identity crisis, but like, you know, you really kind of have to like look at yourself at who you are as a person whenever like a lot of your life just goes away. And, um, 
I think uh, the the pandemic really just brought the mirror like from far away, like directly in front of your face. And it's like, look at everything right now. Like you have to deal with it now because there's nothing else to deal with. You're in your house alone. Like that's what's going to happen. So I, I think it was pretty tough. You know, a lot of people had to, uh, to cut down to the core to who they are um, and just deal with stuff. And, and that brought up additional stress on top of the pandemic stress. So it was, it was a lot of, of learning this year, I would say. Did you feel like you had to sort of uh, shuttle some things that you've been carrying along and just say, nope, that's not really helping me. That's not really who I am. I have to just let that go now. Oh yeah, totally. Um, like a lot of parts of my life, I had to just kind of let go and just accept kind of where life is right now. Um, you know, Neil, I always come back to what you say is like, we are living through this history right now. And I think we're all just existing in this kind of a crazy moment in time. And we're figuring out so much just in real time that it's, it's going to take a little bit to really, you know, kind of come through this on the other side. Obviously, you know, the, the vaccinations are coming through. People are getting better. We're getting smarter about how everything is. Um, but I think the, the social and relationship and personal kind of, um, you know, nuances that this pandemic brought are, are still going to take a little bit longer to, to hammer out rather than just like, okay, here's the cure for, for this disease. Well, I have to uh, say this year, I, I think for me, the, the big change of being full-time away from New York City was just a, just a huge change in my entire sense of myself. I mean, I have to admit, I mean, a it's year ago, yeah. <laughs> I, had, I, I, I had a real crisis about work. Uh, our, you know, I'm, I'm in the music industry, and it all stopped. And for three or four straight months, I really thought that I was going to have to close the shop and close the business. And, uh, you know, I'm, you know, in my upper fifties going to be 59 in July. And I'm like, this is the wrong time to be like, maybe thinking about like closing a business. Like, I just want to cruise. I'm like on a wave and I just want to get it into the shore. I don't want to get on a new board right now. And for a couple of months, it really, really freaked me out. I was waking up, waking up in the morning, really panicked and really feeling like real, uh, majorly shitty about my my situation and feeling really sorry for myself. Like, damn, like the whole planet's melting apart. But all I was thinking about sometimes was just like, I cannot freaking believe how bad the timing is of this freaking thing. Um, and now that I, you know, we've survived it, leads me to the next question. I was going to ask you guys, what are you the most proud of? I'm kind of proud that we kept our little boat afloat in a terrible, terrible year. I'm really proud of it. It took enormous um, uh, energy and uh, smarts and flexibility, figuring out how to manage, you know, down, downsize the company, downsize our office space, cut back on certain expenses, whatever. It was really stressful. But now a year later, I'm, I'm looking back and thinking, my God, this spring is real different from last spring when with last spring was a panic. And now it's, there's a, this kind of sense of hope, but it also, I have to say, made me just feel a really deep feeling that I've never not felt in many, many years. I've kind of been a busy, very gainfully employed person for 35 straight years. And the facing the prospect of losing how I had, you know, sort of kept myself employed for all this time 
really made me feel like, wow, anybody in this country who's ever, who's ever experiencing uh, job insecurity uh, now or ever or lost a job or been unemployed, I felt a closeness to that that made me realize like that is the, the thing that we have to try to help more, most of each other out with is to try to keep all of us working because the, the minute we start really not being able to work, man, that sets off some serious, crazy shit. And just the thought of not working, just the, you know, the thought of, oh my God, what am I going to do? I mean that, you know, and I did, and there's plenty of people across the world and across America who've already, they're living on this edge. And I, you know, I, I, I don't know how to alleviate their stress and their, their uh, sadness. And I really hope that we're, we will emerge from this and that, that our economy will explode again and that people will get back to work and start paying off those bills that are keeping them awake at night. Um, and just one other thing, you know, what I really felt like this pandemic did is it gave me time to process. I mean, my, my old, my job kept me out so many nights. I went to so many concerts that I was so busy that I really didn't have to confront a lot of shit. And now I'm up here with a lot more time to myself. Evenings free almost every night. Like I have nothing to do tonight. Um, and it's really made me process a lot of the triggers and a lot of the issues that caused me a lot of distress. And I felt to, to a certain degree, finally understand that I needed to sort of integrate a lot of the areas of my life. And I feel like I've finally been able to integrate. It used to be sort of I had a professional life, then I had a personal life and I had a social life and none of, and, and I had an Instagram life and none of these, none of these came together at all. People who knew one part of me didn't know the other parts. And then suddenly uh, they all started bleeding together. And now it's kind of like, Hey, people know who I am more roundedly. And that was a little scary. Some people thought it was like a freak show. Like, oh, I didn't know. Like, what the hell are you doing with this weird Instagram thing? Or, man, I, you didn't tell me you promote classical music. What a nerdy, stupid thing that is. Or, uh, wow, you never told me you were married to a dude. Isn't that interesting? I, I mean, then it was sort of like, guess what? That's who I am. And I'm just, I'm going to have to deal with it. And people who want to know me are going to have to deal with it. And... I'm glad. I, I will be grateful for this time, this time up here, away from all the things that kept me so freaking busy in New York City for my entire life. So I'm very grateful for this year from that point of view. Right. Oh man, that is a that's a great thing to be to be happy about. Um, let me throw it back to uh, the guys over here, uh, Neil or Evan. You guys want to jump in? Proud moments. I mean, I got one. I got one. I I know what mine is, but I would just say, you know, how. Uh, not even necessarily me, but just how adaptable I have seen everyone around me be. And also myself. I mean, humans are so adaptable when they have to be. I mean, we're such creatures of habit, but when you throw a global pandemic or something like that in front of them, it's pretty, you know, incredible to see how well uh, a normal can change to a new normal and how quickly that can happen. Um, and so on a personal level, I'm just proud of how well myself and my family adapted to a new normal. 
and continue to live life the best we could during a time when for most people they would say, man, that is a really shitty situation to be in. Obviously we're all doing it together for the most part, but nonetheless, you know, it's all about what you make of it. And so I think I'm really proud of just how I lived life and tried to continue to be myself over the last year, even when the, the world was put on pause in a lot of ways. Evan, was there a, mom- a morning where you woke up and just freaked out and just was like, what the F? And just, did you have one of those really major, majorly panicky moments? No, definitely not. I, I mean, I've mentioned this before too. It's a lot easier when you are married and you have a kid because a lot of the things that you can't go and do because of the pandemic, you weren't doing anyways because you're married and you have a kid. (laughs) (laughs) That is the truth. It's it's like a blessing and a curse, right? But in this case, it's a blessing because it's like, oh, I'm not missing out on anything. I wouldn't be able to do that anyways. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> that's the that's the positive take on it at least and i'm that's why i'm i'm sticking Evan, with i that. feel you on that so much man <laughs> how about how about you neil i'd say it would be kind of what i've done with my business it's like before 2020 jeremy my business partner and i we're always kind of unsure and a little bit of afraid of just how like open we should be about ourselves and our sort of personal beliefs and how you know we see the world and political beliefs too and like where that should intersect with the business we weren't really sure what to do um but you know like we really leaned into that into 2020 and it it became sort of a, a much truer expression of who we are as people like you know i've i've worked for a lot of really shitty companies in my previous career and i learned a lot about how not to run an ethical business and how not to treat people and just not how not to conduct yourself both as an individual and as you know a business um there's too much of what i call vulture capitalism out there you know where you're just only focused on maximizing shareholder value and the bottom line and as long as you live within a gray area of what's legal, anything is game. And that's just not what I want to do. But 2020, Jeremy and I, we just really decided to lean into going beyond a store that sells nice things, but also talk about it too. <laughs> um, you know, like we've done a bunch of stuff that's really new for us, like donated 2% of our revenue to charity every month. As a company, we've been pr- pretty politically active, you know, like picking up the phone, calling representatives. We did a lot of phone banking during the election. Um, and then, but the, but the charitable donations, I think, have been like sort of the most meaningful thing for me as, as, a, as a person. And, you know, but like we, we, we gave our team a big raise and a big bonus last year. And for a couple of them, it was like kind of life-changing. Yeah. So, so being able to do that and really kind of connect the dots between what I have always wanted to do with the business in in the bigger sense of having it be a really true expression of who I am and what I believe in and bridging that gap and being able to do it and see what happens 
when, when I do that, and it's brought me a lot closer to my team, to our customer base, to my business partner, like nothing but good has come of it. And I'm like the most excited I've ever been about my job and just really, really believing in what I'm doing. There's like a, a sort of a newfound sense of purpose other than just like, okay, what are we going to order for next season? Yeah, that is super <laughs> rad. <Uh-oh>. Right. <laughs> Before 2020, then you you were not really doing social activist type of stuff. It seems such a part of your DNA now that's hard. It's hard for people to imagine that you didn't do that before. So that really is a big change from uh, in the past year. Yeah, I mean, I didn't do very much of it. There were a lot of things that I believed in, but wasn't really sure how to take action on. You know, I would do. I would just complain about shitty capitalism. And then in 2020, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give myself like the space to actually do something about it. That's really cool, man. Um, I, uh, I heard a Ted talk, like, I don't know, maybe like a year and change ago. Um, but it was, um, by Natalie Fratto. And what she talked about was the adaptability quotient. And it was mainly geared towards business and a lot of like startups and how they succeed is how well they're, they're able to adapt to the market. But kind of what what you and Evan were just saying is like the adaptability of your business, your ideals, and your situation really allowed you to thrive in this. Um, I mean, craziness. I mean, there's I don't know what to call it. Like it's just it's what it was. It's it's the pandemic times. It's the plague years, you know. Um, and so it's really cool just hearing you know another side of that. Just because like yeah, I kept that in like my memory bank for like a little bit. Uh, but I haven't really thought about it until right now. And it's just how um, the adaptability of people and the resiliency that we have to, to overcome this really kind of plays out in different areas, whether it's, you know, with your family structure or with your business, it really goes to show how much, um, you know, if you can adapt to the change, if you can make it somewhat of a, a benefit to you somehow, some way, then you're going to thrive in that situation. So that's really cool hearing your guys' perspective. I appreciate that. Um, and then just to, to add mine in, mine's very small. Um, I don't have anything nearly as cool as you guys. Um, I, I wrote down that I voted for the first time in a major election. Um, so that was huge. That was cool. Oh, dude. Um, and yeah. I kind of like followed politics for like the first time in my life. I, I would say I was very much under, under a rock and enjoying it there, um, in the political scene, but with all the events that happened, um, you know, I, I really felt, I felt good voting. I felt like, you know, I, I did something, um, and it was really cool. And, you know, a, a lot of, you know, the, the political tides and, and what's going on with our country, it, it felt good to contribute to it. So that was, that was my proud moment. Wow. That's really great. Yeah, it may it it has the feeling right now that it's going to be a lot harder for people to to not pay attention to politics. I think the lessons of the last couple of years are that if we don't stay engaged, our country's going to do some really wacky stuff and we we really have to weigh in if we want our society to value certain things and 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 behave in a certain way and function in a certain way, we're going to have to get involved. And it's kind of a bummer in a way, but at the same token, why shouldn't we? I mean, we're citizens. We're it's kind of like you can't expect to participate and be part of a society that you don't actually get involved with. So that that's a big one, I think, Adam, and it's a good one too because I think 
you know, you've got a very progressive, positive view on, on life in general. So I think that's good for people to maybe you'll bring you'll bring that into the political <laughs> arena with it with you. Um, not to be negative, but is there any anybody want to go out there with something they're really disappointed? They thought the pandemic was going to finally make them give up, you know, whatever, doing that terrible thing that they do that they shouldn't be doing. Any any way that you feel like you're kind of disappointed by something that you uh, that happened this past year that you kind of thought, hey, I, I thought I was going to do a better job on that thing because we could skip over this one if we don't want to go there. But it w- I did put it on my little list. I couldn't put down the news. That fucked me up. <laughs> yeah. I uh, very similar with with Neil. I wrote down just like the shape of our country and all of its aspects: the the social, the economic, the educational, the political scene, um, along with voting. You know, and getting into where our country is. You know, I I, I did a deep dive in, into all that stuff, and it. It's uh, it was very sobering um, taking a objective look at our country. You know, this is the only nationality, ethnicity, identity I have. I don't have another, you know, another country or ancestry part. Like I was born in America, and that's it. Like that's all I've got to my name. Um, so just kind of really just seeing everything play out. I mean, there's as many good things as there are bad things. But the bad things, you know, really stung. Um, and I think we really saw a lot of, of, of hurt uh, in our country. And, um, you know, I, I'm hoping on the upswing of this, we, we really start to heal. And um, I think we need that. Amen. I think, I think that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to, on the same thing, I was just going to say that probably for me, uh, the volume and frequency of misinformation that would trickle down from the very precipice of our country all the way down to everyone else was quite disappointing to be fed trash on a daily basis, being plugged in, like Neil said, probably more than I have ever been into to hear about so-and-so spewing garbage every day was quite disappointing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm disappointed in you, Donald. Oh, boy. We haven't really talked. My... Yeah, exactly. I, I've really tried to just <laughs> avoid saying that, that, that name. But, yeah, I guess, my, I guess I was thinking also on a more personal, on a personal level, um, just, just how challenging it is to focus our times our time, our personal time is really kind of daunting to me now. Uh, I wake up and I make that list in the day of, oh, I should take take a jog and I should learn a new recipe so I don't cook the same stuff. And I should finally finish that chapter of that Dickens book I've been reading. And I should call five people who I told them I'd call last week who I haven't called. And I am going to sit and write for an hour on that some topic that I've been dying to write about. And the list got very long and the, the achievement was not as much as I had hoped. And on the, mo- the biggest positive side was I made a lot of new friends. I've made some really great friends uh, wasting, quote, wasting time on Instagram, et cetera. But um, yeah, I, that's something I'm going to face 
you know, it's, I think maybe that's something that you face as you get older, even more. You start, you're kind of like, I mean, I don't, not to get grim or anything, but you're kind of like, wow, that was a quick 58 and a half years. Uh, there's, you know, I better get cooking. If I'm going to do a couple of things, I better get going now. Like there's not that much time. So anyway, since I'm twice, most of you guys' age, at least 20 years older, that's my little bit of advice is like, do yourself a favor. Keep the, those cherished things at the top of your to-do list. And you don't, you don't have to move boulders, but you do have to move a couple of rocks to make progress on the things that you really want to make progress on. And even moving, even thinking about moving a rock is, is actually an achievement. So that's a, that's a little... That's a little thing I'm hoping to, to, to do better uh, is continue to, to prioritize my time and be, pr- and be productive on things that actually matter. Um, relationships. How's, how's your relationships? We're all in one. Everybody doing good? Anybody like have a meltdown? Anybody actually think, oh my God, why am I married? Why am I? Anybody have a crazy story to tell or a great story? I, I don't have a crazy story. I have a very real story. I mean, like, like we were kind of talking about before in our kind of struggles and what we were learning about ourselves and the, you know, slash identity crisis is, you know, we, like I said, like there was a lot of stress that I used to, you know, work out with my regular routine and that didn't always happen. So, you know, you can kind of take out stress, you know, where, where it's close, you know, you're in the, you're in the same house. So the, the same people keep have to, to feeding this, the stress. So, you know, um, luckily my, my wife and I are doing all right, but like, there's some definite times where there were some strains on our relationship just because it was just taxed every single day. And, you know, when I could, you know, talk and vent with a friend, um, you know, just at work or out and about or at a bar or at a concert or literally doing anything other than staying in my apartment, um, you know, that, that was able to, to go out. But whenever you have to, to keep it 100 with, uh, you know, your, whoever your partner is day in and day out, and you don't have those kind of like outlets, you know, that, that relationship gets taxed a lot. So, um, I would say a lot of, you know, my, my relationships, you know, felt the strain of, of just being like, is this monotonous? Are we just going through the motions? Um, you know, it's, it's a back and forth, you know, there's good days, there's bad days, there's arguments, there's rejoice. Um, and so I, I just think everything happened both good and bad. Um, there was amazingly beautiful moments, like a candlelit dinner in the other room on yoga mats because <laughs> mother-in-law decided to, to g- give us a date night for <laughs> once. <laughs> like that was amazing, <laughs> but also like just the, uh, just daily tax of like, holy shit, if I go outside, am I going to friggin' die? Um, that versus like, okay, let's have like a normal dinner. Um, there's just so much. I just feel like everything just got pushed to its limits. Sometimes it broke. Sometimes it it got even better. And I think everything kind of right now is really just like putting those those pieces back together. I think we're all kind of like, you know, we're all feeling this coming out phase right now. And it's like, okay, like, the, the pressure is slowly lifting off, but we still have all this stuff going on. Um, so for me, yeah, like it was, it, it was tough, but it was amazing at the same time. Literally like the gamut of emotions were, were played out in a relationship. Yeah, it's just incredible just how much physical space impacts 
our interactions with others and our mood. I mean, when you we're having that that constriction that we've had, it it really just it's kind of like a chemic. You know, you're play, you're in the chem lab, chem lab, and you know the closer you put the materials, the more likely there is to be combustion. <laughs> you know, I mean, on occasion things fuse together and you get a really stable molecule, but a lot of times you just get an explosion. Um, anyway, um, other guys, how are you guys doing on the relationship front? You're in sunny California, Neil. You just walk outside and like get the California sunshine and you feel like a new man, right? Not quite. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're sort of close. Um, no, I, I, I gotta say things went really smooth with my relationship with the pandemic. I mean, we, we already had a really good foundation to begin with. We've been together for 12 years. Uh, the relationship has survived two international moves. So I think if <clears throat> there was any time when it was going to all fall apart, it would be, would have been during one of those. Um, but I would say that we're closer and we're a lot more in tune with each other's emotions and moods and are just, and, and like, as a result, you know, we kind of pick up on things and can give each other the space that they need or the support that the other person needs you know, or just sometimes, you know, one of us will be like, I want to be difficult. And then we'll have like some mock argument about something, <laughs> which is actually kind of fun. You got, you should try it. I like that. You should just say like, I want to be difficult and then just start talking shit <laughs> or complaining about something and just like go along with it. It's super, it's fun. But it can't be about the other person though, right? That's a little too personal. You can't make it? it too personal. I mean, it's, this is very person dependent, you know, so however far you can push the bar with teasing if you want to go that direction because i'm a conflict avoider and that sounds to me like scary shit like well then then complain about someone else or something else something outside the house then but it might be the exact reason to try it though or or just like make up an issue like you know this pizza is fucking sucked or something like that (laughs) or i don't like the way you did this but as long as they know that that the stakes are low and you're kind of acting in a way but it's it's an exercise in order just to like get some stuff off your chest or get some emotions out. It, it's pretty fun. I like that social experiment. I think it's cool. Yeah, I can I can see your 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 skeptic, Albert. No, 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 I'm I'm gonna try that. I'm I'm always amazed when a couple is very good at diffusing and 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 having what looks to me like an angry look at each other and, and an angry exchange of words. Like my sister and her husband, my sister will look at him and be like, he's such a fucking jerk or something like that. She'll say it. And I'm like, Oh my God, that was nasty. And I'm like, I would never call Brian a fucking jerk. And they just, they're laughing and they're not really laughing at first. My brother-in-law is looking at me. Like I told you, your sister's kind of, she's a little intense. But I realized that they do, those words don't mean the same thing to them. So I, I admire that, but Brian and I are terrible at it. We, we are the opposite. It's like, which one of us could be more caring? Which one of us could be more diplomatic, more polite? And I'm sure underneath it all, we're, he's probably like wanting to club, club me half the time. But um, yeah, I wish I had more of that sort of, fuck it, we're together and we'll get through it. And I should just like blow off some steam for Christ's sakes. I like it. <laughs> anyway, you and Kate, from what you said, uh, Evan, you kind of like both have a sort of coolness about your 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 basic emotional temperature. 
Yeah, we're not, um, our arguments are not what most people would classify as an argument. <laughs> We've literally, neither of us has never yelled at the other person. Oh. Definitely never dropped an F-bomb when we were like <laughs> mad at the other person in terms of describing their, you know, lack of perfection. But... <laughs> We, you know, it's, it's been a, mostly the same for us because, you know, my wife's in medicine and so she never stopped going to work. So she's always had a little bit of separation from being stuck in the house. And I have had pretty much uh, a similar schedule to what I had prior to the pandemic. So, and thank the Lord, Anna's daycare and school has, you know, remained open a majority of the time. So we really, I, you know, we were very fortunate to have dodged uh, a few bullets that could have made things more stressful, but you know, my wife more than I is incredibly good at uh, letting me know how she feels in a very tactful way. Um, and so that kind of keeps the ball rolling very gently downhill without having any, you know, explosions or bad chemistry happen. <laughs> I, I felt good because you're... It shows that I am not happy when I just don't say anything. I felt good. Your wife uh, liked one of my posts today. She gave a couple of hearts to a post, my post today, and I thought, she's not mad at me for stealing Evan on, on Sunday, so thank you. No, thank you to Kate. Yeah, like she's not a free giver. She, <laughs> she just doesn't participate very much in Instagram. It's not because she doesn't like post she just is very rarely actually on it so that takes us to the the last question that i shipped around to you guys as we emerge from this pandemic what do we want to take in terms of our lessons from this time that we've just endured what do we want to take with us into the future um i'll give you just a little background to this question a friend of mine called and he had moved to london for work a couple of years ago and he had to come back to America really because his dad was basically dying from, from COVID. And we had a, a real heart to heart uh, the other night. And we, don't, we haven't talked for a long, long time. We had a serious heart to heart. And one of the things that he told me was that he had found in London uh, for himself that the pace of life and the more the focus on being together, sharing things with friends, uh, that that the change in pace from New York really, which astounded me, he felt like it was majorly different. And that and that uh, in Lon in London, people just made more time to enjoy each other. And I know that's a big issue in New York. There's a feeling like people are spinning so fast that um, that they just really are not relaxed about enjoying what they have. Everything's on such a frantic pace. I'm hoping, and I'm not sure that it's even remotely possible. I mean, we want the city to come roaring back. We want the city to be the obnoxious hellhole that we all love, know and love. But we, it would also be kind of nice to, to think that some, some calmer humanity would settle in and that we really, truly will not just say, oh, isn't it nice that we all appreciated what we have more? I would absolutely love if that's actually the case and that it, it means a slightly different balance of values and that we really truly don't get ourselves back into the same mess we were in before and that we, we keep the focus on 
each other, the things that matter, this, the, the essential things. Maybe people outside New York are already there. You know, maybe this is, maybe that's why people go to places like Pittsburgh, Adam, and just go, people there are so nice. They're so much more relaxed or certainly California has, has that reputation. Um, anyway, that, that's my hope that people will not, not ratchet up that sense of hurry, because I think, I really think that that's, that's one of the great uh, dreads of human experience is this hurry that we really push put on ourselves because the reality is a lot of what we really need to to be happy is right here right now and we we tend to make things way too complicated anyway that's my little my little post-pandemic hope mine is uh, a little bit different um mine kind of focus more more on myself and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of Viktor Frankl uh, came through on this this pandemic and uh, some logotherapy there. But um, for me is uh, focus on who I am and what I stand for, because when en- when everything else is taken away, that's the only thing that's left. So a, a lot of acceptance and a lot of, you know, just personal, you know, drive um, is, is what I'm going for. And, uh, you know, I, I just got to keep working work in me, um, because that's, what's, that's, what's going to be there. You know, if, if, if there's an even worse pandemic, um, you know, I, I still have myself and my thoughts and my decisions. Um, and I just need to keep focusing on them. That's fabulous. I love that, Adam. I've got one in times of crisis, the great Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers. So that's something that I really tried to take the heart. Just be a helper, both in like, in all the senses that can contain, right? Be helpful to yourself, be helpful to the people immediately surrounding you, be a helper to society and the world at large. You know, and a big part of that's just putting your ego aside, flexing that empathy muscle and listen to people and care. You know, and those two things are very much easier said than done. But empathy and listening are such powerful things that can be wielded for good, you know, and just be aware of what you're saying, what you're doing, and the multiple ripple effects of those actions, both intended and unintended. And, you know, just, you can learn a lot by shutting your mouth and listening to other people and really, truly listening to them. Love it. Yeah. No, that was really good, Neil. Thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. Big fan here too. No pressure on you, Evan, because those guys, those guys were just very inspired right there. Dude, sorry. Mine's really similar to Albert's. I actually, you know, been a huge blessing for a lot of people to be able to work from home and not go into the office at least every single day. Because like you mentioned, there's these statistics that people are starting to do things that they've been putting off that are healthy for them, whether it's mentally or physically or both. And I really hope that companies that didn't typically have a work from home environment or even a partially work from home environment, start to support that more. I hope they look into like how productivity has been, Um, you know, around where I live, a perfect example would be like a place like Amazon or a big company like that. That's a lot of humans that if they work from home or don't have to go into the office down to the campus can spend a lot of time not commuting, doing things that are better for themselves, which makes them a better person. And if they're a better person, they're probably a helper. And, you know, it all comes full circle. And, 
you know, if everyone's more healthy because they're able to have that extra time for themselves, if they're able to take a two hour break in the middle of the day and go for a bike ride because it's something that they enjoy and that they've been putting off, but they want to do it now, they're able to do it because they're not stuck at the office for nine hours straight and they miss daylight. So that's what I hope is that, you know, it, it changes the, the nine to five ideology that we have right now. And it creates a more flexible work environment overall for the economy, which I think will only make uh, people healthier and happier and more empathetic. Yeah. Viewing employees as resources from which work is extracted is never Uh, a really good long-term move. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't uh, add, whole lot of longevity yeah well evan you did a really superb job of tying in various concepts that have been said before and then going back to the original statistics so that was that was a fabulous really fabulous uh and ending to this show um we just by luck adam you and i started this ball rolling three months before the shit hit the fan and we had no, I mean, yeah. we started that November not having a clue. I think it was November, but we had no clue what was ahead. And I just can't imagine how weird this past year would have been uh, without the podcast. Because for just knowing I was going to be talking to you, Adam, and sometimes to these guys and some of our other guests, it was such a good way to keep my, my focus a little bit. I'd be reading and hearing news and seeing things and thinking, hey, I want to talk to these to the guys about this. And knowing we had a set time to talk really was a great thing. Um, so I'm glad that we that we did that we got this thing going. And I'm really grateful to these these two guys here who are always such a pleasure. I mean, I like I liked them before we had them on the podcast, but the podcast has been a really great opportunity to to see how they think and where the, where they're coming from. And uh, it's just been a joy. So we have very happy days ahead and I'm really looking forward to the day where Adam and I from the East can uh, jump on a, some kind of mode of transportation. Probably we'll figure it out, Adam. I think a really long road trip could be in, in the works, but we'll, we'll head your way, maybe meet in the middle somewhere, or maybe just come all the way out to the West coast, meet in, meet in person and, uh, and really sell, celebrate what we've done to help each other and to try to put some positivity out there at a time that was really, really challenging for all of us. And, and uh, just feel really grateful for that personally. I just have to say that. Yeah. Same here. I am super happy that we've continued to do this. Uh, it's, it's definitely been something to, to look forward to and, you know, have some work, just have something to, to work on and keep going. It's, it's definitely kept me focused in, and uh, continuing to just kind of grow and learn. So I'm, I'm really appreciative to, to you, obviously Neil and Evan, you guys rock. Love you guys, man. Like seriously, thanks for making this fun. Uh, <laughs> um, any, uh, any last words from you two to, before we wrap up the show, get your Fauci ouchie, <laughs> get your Fauci ouchie. Yeah. <laughs> I want my Fauci ouchie. I gotta go. I gotta figure it out. Wait a month. It's, it's only going to get better. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's coming be, <laughs> here. I think it's supposed to be wide open by May 1st, supposedly. I think that's the goal. Yeah. Fingers uh, crossed. Like, fingers crossed. Nationally, right. Is May 1. They just open it up to everyone. We'll have enough. That's what I'm hoping for. Cause yeah, we, we need to do the, uh, the VVV, uh, live tour slash road trip. 
I I need that. Like I, just, I <laughs> that's what's I really really like deep down. That's what's like been driving me is like as soon as this is over, like I need to travel. I just need to explore, um, and I need to meet new people face to face. If you got any extra cash lying around, buy some airline stocks because they're gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> And some and some tickets. Now's yeah, the time to purchase yeah. those tickets. Well, anyway, what do you think, guys? Wrap it up Sunday night. Oh yeah, I think it's been. And just to echo what Adam said, I really do love you guys. You're you're really giving me a lot of hope in the future of our our country and our species. This none of you know none of us want to be alone in the fight, and you could never feel alone with you guys around. <laughs> right on. Well, this has been another episode of the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer podcast. I'm Adam Glinsky. I'm Albert Imperato. I'm Evan Blanchin. And I'm Neil Barrett. Thanks for listening. <laughs>